Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. It's very exciting and wonderful to have you all with us on this Sunday morning. If you would, I know Daryl just finished a prayer, but if you wouldn't mind praying with me quickly. Father, may the meditations of all of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. May our hearts, our souls be open to your words, not mine. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Those songs, I don't know when they put those songs together. By the way, it's nice to have Daryl back, isn't it? <laughs> and Stacy, yes. Uh, it's probably better to have Stacy back. Than, just kidding, Daryl. Um, I, uh, you know, just want you to know that we were trying to start on time every week that Daryl was gone. And what happens? The first week he's back, we're like ten minutes late. Um, so it's Daryl. Just to let you all know, it's Daryl who is the problem. Um, We are entering into uh, a story in Scripture that is kind of mind-blowing. We're coming out of the disciples asking Jesus, or Jesus asking the disciples who they thought he was. And they give the answer, the Messiah. And he's like, you're right. (laughs) Hello. And then time passes. Six days, according to Matthew. Eight days, according to Luke. About a week passes in between the time that they have this discussion about being the Messiah and what happens next. I think they went from a pretty cool moment having this connection with you are the Messiah to then a period of what? We don't know. There isn't a record of what happened during those days. My thoughts went this morning to, what if they started to doubt again? I mean, let's be honest. They'd seen a lot of really cool stuff that he had done, and yet still, before he really came out and said something, they were kind of on the fence. So then you get into this period of a week. You know, maybe Jesus had a snoring problem. You know, he's fully man. Maybe he had a deviated septum and just... The whole time for a week, they just keep hearing this. And John looks over at James like, seriously, this is the Messiah? Don't you think he would not snore? You know, maybe he had bad B.O. We don't know. Just because he's God doesn't mean he's not one of us because he was one of us. But you live a week with someone and you begin to see these things. And who knows what's going on during this time, the things that they're seeing, the things that they're hearing. They start to talk to one another. Are we really sure about this? Because let's think about it. The Messiah, pretty big deal. Their people had been waiting for him forever. This is the one whom God had chosen. And you start to think about these things. Well, yeah, he's done this amazing stuff, but is it really him? Because a lot of times we thought that he would be like this, but he's not. He's something completely different. And they can start talking to one another. And maybe Thomas, you know, because he's always doubting, runs in there and goes, you know, but is he really the Messiah? And all this stuff starts happening. They go from this mountaintop experience, kind of, through this valley. And six days later, Jesus takes them up another mountain. Takes the three. Peter, James, and John. He takes them up this mountain. And something amazing happens. Chapter 17 is where we are. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain. 
As the men watched, Jesus' appearance changed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothing became dazzling white. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter blurted out, Lord, this is wonderful. If you want me to, I'll make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he said it, a bright cloud came over them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with him. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw only Jesus with them. So you go from this time where he calls them out and says, who am I? They say, you're the Messiah. Maybe a time of doubt. Maybe I'm just reading into something that's not there. Maybe I'm just putting myself in their place. But then they come to this moment, the three, the beloved disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they go up on this mount and they experience something amazing. They see Jesus begin to shine. Now, this is significant. In in the book of Daniel, it talks about this. In the second book of Esdras, it talks about that those chosen people of God will shine like stars. In Daniel, it says. So you have this, this moment of, oh, it's not just because he is God. It's because he's chosen, a chosen person of God. And in Luke's account of this, both Elijah and Moses are also shining like this. So it's not just the fact that Jesus is God. It's the fact that God's glory is upon them. And he sees this. They see this happen. And what does Peter do? Peter is Peter. Oh, let, let me build three shrines, three tabernacles for the three of you. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. I can just picture Jesus looking at him going, <laughs> didn't we just talk about this? Staying behind me, not getting out in front of me, waiting, relaxing, being in the presence. I feel like we're going to have this conversation again. But before Jesus says anything, the cloud descends. Now, it's believed there's two mountains that this is um, believed to have occurred. One is um, Tamor. And some people say that that's the one. There's a, a castle on top, a fortress on top, and you can go to that one today by taxi cab. Um, and they say it's a very perilous and dangerous journey um, up those things that the taxi cabs just fly up these hills and there's no railing, stuff like that. The other one is Mount Hermon. And um, a lot of scholars believe it to be this one rather than the other. Um, and at Mount Hermon, one of the things that would happen that was common Just out of nowhere, these clouds would appear at the top. The top of Mount Hermon was 11,000 feet above the the valley of the Jordan, and it was 9,400 feet above sea level. And so you have this um, this, this weather phenomenon where clouds just come in and then disappear, just like that. So when a cloud comes upon the top of the mountain when they're up there, I'm sure the disciples were like, okay. We have this, whoa, the cloud's shining and there's a voice in it. This is something that was consistent in the life of Israel. God appearing in the form of a cloud. If you remember back in the book of Exodus, there's a few times when this happens. The cloud leads them as they are journeying through the desert. When the cloud moves, they move. When the cloud stops, they stop. When the tabernacle is finished, a cloud descends and is said to dwell God 
comes in the form of the cloud. The dedication of the temple, much later, in 1 Kings, a cloud comes, and God comes in the form of a cloud. This cloud represents the Shekinah glory of God, the glory of Almighty God. So the Shekinah glory comes. And once again, we've heard these words before, this is my son. If you remember back at the baptism of Jesus, when John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus, Jesus comes out of the water, the spirit descends in the form of a dove, and the voice from above says, this is my son. With him, I am pleased. Listen to him. Again, God is pointing to the fact that he is the one, the Messiah. Think of this amazing experience that the three disciples just got to have. They got to see this amazing experience of Jesus Christ being called out one more time. Him changing form, this transfiguration. They saw him brighter. They saw a glow. Remember when Moses descends from Mount Sinai. He didn't realize it, but his face was glowing. Why? Because he had been in the presence of God. You have this transformation in Jesus, this shift. Because it's all about to happen. N.T. Wright says you can't look at this experience without looking at the experience on Calvary at the same time. If you look at it, there are a lot of similarities. It's on a higher place. Jesus is surrounded by two people. In this instance, he's surrounded by Moses, the chief orator of the law. Elijah, the chief prophet. The voice of God came, believed directly, most directly through him. You have this this transformation happening right here, this glory of God in a tremendous fashion. You have, on the other side, a hill, Jesus, surrounded by criminals. The depth to which Israel had sunk. The height and the depth. The glory of God and the misery of us. You have these two pictures The glory and the cross. The glory and the suffering. And you have to take them together. Because in the cross, there is glory. In the suffering, there is glory. There is magnificence and beauty. It's horrible. But it is wonderful. Because of where it goes. And what God does through it. In this glorious moment of transfiguration, as they call it, you need to see the cross and the suffering that will come. I think a lot of times, I mean, all all the songs that we sang today were just this beautiful weaving together of reminding us that God is with us. Through these times. Anybody ever been to summer camp? A Christian type summer camp? Raise your hand. Come on, y'all are nuts, people. Christian summer camps people. You should be going, yeah, T-Bar-M rocks if you went there. Or can it cook? Yeah, whatever. 
Remember those times when you leave that experience or just even a Christian retreat as you're an older person, like a walk to Emmaus or something. When you leave those moments and you're insulated in this group of people that love Jesus and are crazy for Jesus and you talk about God and Jesus and all of these things and you get to feel God's presence in some uh, some way that you never have before because you've never really been insulated in such a way. You come off and and you're walking. You're so great. What happens generally? Nobody? Nothing? Yeah, thank you. We're going to have to be interactive right now, okay? What happens? By interactive, I mean you talk back to me. You get let down. You You hit a wall, which is what he did over here. Like anybody could see that in the front row, Daryl. Thank you. Glad to have you back. You have this mountaintop experience where you experience the glory of God. And then you get back into the real world. And you're like... What just happened? And you get back into your life and you think, well, the glory of God was great. It's wonderful. But now I'm back in real life. You get let down because you let yourself down. You let yourself get back into your old patterns and habits and you you forget the glory of God. You enter into this time of suffering. Guess what? He's there too. You ever been hurt? Yeah. Somebody ever let you down? Disappoint you? Crush you? Scare you? Has anything ever, anything, I mean, have you all lived rosy lives or have you gone through valleys? Turn to somebody right now and say, I've been hurt. Do it. Turn to somebody right now and say, I've been hurt. Okay, i got to tell you, 930 people. We're going to have to have a talk. Now, last week, y'all killed me. Like, I was trying to get you fired up, and y'all just stared at me like, why are you talking? And I stared back like, why did you come? And we're having this relationship that's really not working for me, okay? Because I feed off of your energy. I like when people, like, show me facial expressions and respond. You know, not just like this. How would you like it if I came to your job Monday morning and sat there and just stared at you? You close a big deal, I'm like... I have lunch plans, Crogger. The British Open's on. You know, and I was, I was all fired up to hammer the 11 o'clock service last week because of you people. And you know what? They were on fire. They beat me to it. They, I was, I was about ready. We were going to stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. We were doing all sorts of things to rally and to get behind God and to feel the power of the Holy Spirit and to move into the world as the flag bearers of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? It's pretty cool when you get to do that. It's pretty cool when you get to have the Spirit dwelling inside of you, this fire, like Jeremiah says, is burning so bright that you can no longer contain it. Just burst from your chest. If you don't get that about Jesus, you've got to come to Jesus. And I'm not, hey, it may be me. This is probably all on me at 9.30 when I really haven't worked out my sermon. 11 o'clock, I got it down. But 9.30, I'm still trying things out, you know? So part of it's my fault. I get it. Some of it's on you, though. 
This has gone really dark really fast. I'm glad the candles are up here shining some light. But what I'm trying to say right here is this. There are times in our lives when we get hammered. I know you know that. I don't have to make you turn to somebody and say it. However, it's pretty cool if you do. There are times in your life when it feels like the world is stepping on you. When you can't breathe, when your chest feels tight at work, at home, wherever it is. I know it because you're human. I don't care if the world looks at you and think you have the perfect life. I know you don't. Because you exist in this world that has fallen. I know not all of us walk around on these mountaintop experiences because that's just not the way of life. We have these mountaintop experiences where we feel the love of God and we get to experience this incredible joy when we get to go. He is the Messiah. Oh, my gosh. I hear the voice of God. But Then we have those moments where we fall and in the valley and we're listening intently. God, speak to me. I need breath. I need a rope. I need a hand. I need something. I'm lost in this darkness. I know you've had those moments. I've had them. I know I'll have them again. We're kind of going through. Definitely, it may not be dark, but it's definitely dim in our house. You know? We go through these moments in our life, in our existence, where all we can think about is this darkness and we forget the light. We forget that moment of joy and that moment of triumph. I'm pointing over here to the glory side, but what I should be doing is pointing over here to the cross side. Because that is where the triumph and the light and the glory truly begins. And sometimes we forget that and we let the world surround us and then envelop us. We forget that God is bigger than that. Fill it in. And so what we do is we keep those times of valleys to ourselves. A lot of times we're embarrassed when we're in a time of darkness because of whatever it is. If you're having trouble in your marriage, that's the last thing you want to tell people is that you're having trouble in your marriage. If you're having an issue with, uh, with pornography, you're not going to tell somebody you're having an issue with pornography because that's just not done. You're having an issue with drugs. No way you're going to tell somebody that. You're cheating at work. Uh-uh. You're keeping that to yourself. Why? Why are we doing that? Why are we suffering alone? The cross wasn't hidden. Jesus didn't suffer alone. He didn't suffer in a hidden place. He suffered so that we could see him suffering. And he conquered it through the power of God. Why do we keep it to ourselves? Why do we all celebrate this mountaintop glorious experience, but we hide the cross times? Why do we say, oh, it's so great. There's a birth of a child. Let's celebrate. God, you're so awesome. Thank you. God, you delivered. We have a job. Great. That's. Hey, I'm dealing with stuff here and I need your help. 
Why don't we do that? Why do we live in a world that says you don't talk about the bad stuff to each other? When God sets it up, cry out. Cry out. We live in a society that deals in facades and looks and what you drive and what you wear and where you live. Heck, we're known by our zip code. 09. Except those of you that live in 12. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Seriously, you all get it. You all laugh because you get it. We're 09ers. There's other 09ers in the world. I'm sure somewhere. There's 49ers I know of. I don't know. I think what Peter is getting at, I think where Peter's going here is he jumps ahead of God one more time. And he says, I want to build these tabernacles for you. One, he's doing something wrong by putting Moses and Elijah on the same level as Christ. But he had a good heart, good intention behind it. I think a lot of times we need to just stop and be in the presence of God. We need to stop in those glorious moments and soak in the Shekinah glory of God. And let this amazing, wonderful power envelop us. And then in those moments, those moments where we have those valleys, those times when we're hurting, those times when we're down, when we're lost, when we're in despair, we need to reach out. We need to reach out to the world to our community, to our friends, to our family of God. It's so important to be connected into a community of believers. If you're out on your own, you're never going to make it. You need to be community in a community, connected in a community of believers so that when you are going through a problem, you gather your family together and you say, we're struggling right now. We don't know if we're going to make it. We need your help. Or I'm struggling right now. Whatever it is. The glory of God is tremendous. The glory of God is so great that it shines in those incredible experiences and in those dark ones. Sometimes I think we, we forget about the Shekinah glory of God in those difficult times of our life. And we try to fight our way out of it on our own. How big is God in your mind? How big is He? Is He big enough to handle it? Is He big enough to handle my situation and yours? Does He care enough for you that even in your mind, you have just this little minuscule little problem when, it, when you compare it to everyone else's. Oh, that's, I'm not really going through much because look at them. They're suffering so much more than I am. Really? You think God puts a weight on the difficulties and sorrows in our life? He loves us more than that. 
He loves you more than that. God is big. His love is unending. It's time we begin to live our lives into that reality. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who came and experienced what we experienced, who suffered, knows of our hurts, of our pains, of our sorrows, and knows of your power. God, we thank you for the cross for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that through that we have access to life. God, help us to understand how big you truly are and how much you desperately love us. Help us to not just understand that, but to live our life with that knowledge at the very front of who we are. God, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.